Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods. Putting STEM into every classroom, every day. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. In this episode, we continue our conversation with Bill Van Lu who is a technology instructor at A2 STEAM in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And in after episode one, where we talked a lot about how to build that classroom or even build a STEAM school from scratch, a bunch more great ideas from Bill, including how to use cardboard in your classroom, how to build community, and even the idea of throwing things over the wall. So bringing in that aspect of community, one thing that I read on on a blog that you wrote, Bill, is the idea of community is a really big thing for me. Learning in a community, working in a community, being plugged into a community is super important. And and that sounds like a lot of some of those aspects that you've you've created in your classroom. Do those things just kind of naturally happen when when you have that kind of building creating stem atmosphere in your classroom Uh, i think some of that can naturally occur but i'm going to use an analogy that doesn't make any sense for me to use because i'm not a gardener at all (laughs) but i guess i kind of think about that in a little bit of the same way as someone might tend to garden like there are things that will grow but they're not necessarily always the things that you want but you can encourage things that you do want to grow by taking care of them right and giving them some encouragement and so i think I think those kinds of things are, are where I see that. And I'm not claiming to have solved that, that puzzle or to have all the answers there. But I mean, there are a few things that I, that I can share that I've done that I think help that. I, well, I you, tried to use... I know oh, go you ahead. earlier about having the kids get in a circle and just doing a team building activity at, at different times in a classroom. Yeah, you know, so I've gotten better at, uh, at the sort of relationship building aspect of teaching over the years, you know, and I've learned from some really great mentors. Our first couple of years at STEAM, uh, Ryan Bruder, who was our, our lead teacher, was a phenomenal example of building relationships of someone who is really good at building relationships with kids. You know, my own mentor, Tom Pachera, who's our district's STEAM PLTW coordinator, really great at building relationships with kids. And I got the opportunity to student teach for him. And so learning and adding those pieces to the, to the mix, you know, it's one thing to be great with your content. Uh, but it's another thing to be great about building relationships with students. And that's something that over the years I've embraced and, and sort of realized the, the impact of more and more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, trying to, trying to take a couple minutes to play a goofy game at the end of the class period or dismissing sixth graders with a horrible dad joke, you know, things like oh, that. Yeah. Like <laughs> it doesn't take any extra effort to do that. You know, yeah. yep. you're not going to, you're not going to squeeze in one more thing with those extra two minutes that you took to do the goofy thing, oh, but not. kids are going to walk away from your room smiling and you know, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of power in that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know in another thing that you wrote, you talked about the difference between just giving your kids, you know, skills with physical tools, but also those skills with those mental tools, um, being able to, yeah. to not just know how to code and not just know how to, you know, work with cardboard or design something like with a vinyl cutter, but those, those other, those soft skills as well, which are, are really so important. And you saw them because you were in, in industry, you're in business and stuff before, before you got an education. Yeah. And I think that really speaks to the power of our program, not just the steam and project-based learning aspects of it, but the K through eight nature of it. You know, our students are starting with those kinds of situations in which they're being required to problem solve and collaborate and think Mm -hmm. creatively from 
kindergarten and now this year young fives with our uh with our, our new young fives classroom at, at steam those those little tiny kids walking down the hallway they're already starting to do some of those things and so by the time that you know our middle school teachers see them if they've been there for a couple of years oftentimes they're very practiced and it's just very natural and fluid yeah um you know, sometimes it takes having another person around to make you step back and realize. And for me, that happened a couple of years ago. There was a visitor in my classroom doing a tour or doing, doing some kind of thing. Yep. We, uh, we end up hosting a lot of uh, tours and a lot of visitors, you know, people who want to know what project-based learning looks like in practice. And yeah, I'm sure. And, yeah. you know, you talked about community and I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but I think for us, that's a really important aspect of STEAM is not just going, hey, we've built this great thing but inviting other people in to go, let's, let's talk about this. Let us show you what we've done and let's have some dialogue and, you know, let's build each other up as educators, um, not as, you know, competing school districts or whatever. Anyway, you know, there was somebody in my classroom from somewhere else. And after the students were done and we had a chance to sit down and talk, the adult and I, they went, wow, it was incredible how your kids, like they would run into a problem and they would back up and they would try another thing. And if it didn't work, they'd back up again and they'd try another thing. And for me, by that point, it was already so natural to see them doing that, that it really did kind of make me go, yeah, that is what's happening. That's what we want. And it had become so natural by that point that I stopped seeing it anymore. It's just, that's (laughs) the natural way of the world, but it's definitely not by accident. It is something that's taken a lot of careful time and practice. I mean, our first year at STEAM, we really focused a lot on the power of revising. Okay. Um, and that can be across any content area, right? Oh, yeah, it's definitely. A critical factor of project-based learning is how to take something that's okay and critically examine it and think about how to make it better and then do that work and use really specific language about what you notice and, and what specific things you can change Mm-hmm. and then change them and then go back to whatever your criteria is and see, did your changes work? And you can think about that in a piece of writing, in an essay. You can think yep. about that in a, you know, a piece of graphic design, in a, a robot, in a computer program, in just about anything that we things, do, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and so having that, that opportunity to work in a community uh, of other amazing educators is really, I think, a big part of the success that our students have seen. Yeah. Now I've Bill again, we're chatting with Bill Van Lu and um, just a, a privilege to chat with you, Bill. And, and again, I've met Bill at a couple of different conferences. I really want to, to ask you just to be able to share a couple of things about that, that I've heard you talk about just in terms of working with cardboard in your classroom and, and, and how to get kids to, to just even be able to create just with that low tech stuff. I mean, you talked about vinyl cutters and you talked about 3d printing and stuff, but yeah getting kids down to that, that basic, I can cut things apart and put things together. What, what makes that so magical? What, what's, what, what are, what are your, some of your best tips on that? I guess. I'll oh, say. absolutely. I mean, I, <laughs> you get me started talking about something I'm excited about like this and it could be, a, it could be a minute. No, I, I, you know, the thing that I love about simple prototyping materials like paper and cardboard and stuff like that is that yep. they're so accessible. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so just a couple of, just a couple of things about that. One of, uh, one of the things we did the very first year of A2 STEAM when my lab was really just getting off the ground and, and just, we were getting our furniture in and getting our iPads set up and just building from the ground up was we needed something that would kind of bring our whole school community together and that could, you know, start up with very little in the way of tools or resources Right. Yep. And so, um, so we used the, uh, the imagination foundations, global cardboard challenge as one of oh, our first okay. activities. 
Yeah. And so that was the nonprofit that was inspired by the, the movie Kane's Arcade. Yep. And so we had students building all kinds of things out of cardboard. And what was so fun about that was it didn't require much except a giant pile of cardboard and a lot of tape and scissors. But what we were actually building as we were building those things were our ways of working. You know, kids were getting used to working in what was the steam lab at that time in the, in the basement of our building. Uh-huh. They were used to the idea that they could try something and if it didn't work, they could step back and try it again or try a different way. We were building those relationships up. And so we did that our first year. We took a year off and then we did that again our third year. And what was so great there is that that was the first year that that basement lab had become our makerspace. So it was sort of like an introduction again to this is what this space is now. It had been Mr. Van Loo's steam lab and now it's our school's makerspace. And this is how we work here. And these are the kinds of tools and these are the, maybe there are some things that are a little bit different. Let's learn those procedures. Let's learn where tools go and how we walk around the room safely. And, you know, and this is still in a K through seven kind of setting at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's great about those is that they are a, uh, they're a low stakes way to get started being creative with using materials. Yeah. And so, uh, so that's one of the reasons I love cardboard. You know, another, another reason I guess is because it is so low stakes, it's easy to go, I'm going to try this thing. And if it doesn't work, the literal worst that happens is I put this thing in the recycling. Right. Like that's it. That's the worst thing that happens. Nothing's going to blow up. You know, nothing's (laughs) good. You know, nothing's going to crash. It just doesn't work. And I put it in the recycling bin and I grab some more cardboard and I try another thing. Yeah. Cardboard doesn't break. It doesn't fall and shatter into a bunch of pieces. Right. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't clog up the machines. Yeah. Yeah. It's cardboard. Yeah. And it's, you know, and in our Western society, there's an almost unlimited supply of it. If you go to Costco or or anywhere, you're going to find cardboard. Or your school lunchroom, you know. Yeah. And, you know, one of the, one of the techniques that I know you really, you really liked when we've talked before is that idea of what sort of form you put cardboard into. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I'd shared some things last year at McCall about some simple kind of cool tools for makers. And one of the things I talked about there and I've talked about in other places is the idea of taking cardboard boxes and instead of keeping them as boxes, turning them into flat pieces of cardboard. Because if, uh, if you only have a cardboard box, you can change the shape of that in ways you can cut things out of it. You can add stuff to it, but it'll always sort of be a cardboard box. If you, if you give yeah. students a set of flat pieces that could become just about anything. And it's going to build those two dimensional to three dimensional skills. You know, Adam Savage from Mythbusters talks a lot about this idea of so many forms of making being taking flat planar materials and turning them into three dimensional shapes, whether right. it's sewing or woodworking or metal smithing or any of those things. It's taking flat stuff and turning it into three-dimensional stuff. Yeah. And cardboard is a great tool for that. That experience of taking those flat things and turning them into 3D things is kind of taken away from you if it always is a cardboard box. Yeah. And 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 again, if a kid sees a cardboard box, everything that they continue to base off of that, it's still in their head is a cardboard box. Right. There's that rectangular prism. What can I do to that rectangular prism instead of what design idea do I have in my brain and how do I realize that thing? Well, and then they learn all those different types. And I think you showed a graphic too of all the different types of ways that you can join cardboard together and just a, a just an incredible graphic. I'm, and of course I'm blanking on her name right now. Who? Yeah, no, there's a, yeah, there's an educator named Aaron Riley who made this beautiful sort of infographic about ways that you can join and manipulate cardboard to create joints and, you know, attach things and stuff like that. And so I have that posted in, in my steam lab on the cabinet that has cutting tools. And so we've got 
everything from scissors to, uh, to, you know, power cutters, like, uh, basically like electric scissors. So they're like mm-hmm. a rotary blade. There's a few different kinds. There's the zip snips. There's the, I have the skill IXO cutters yep. that I like a lot, you know, all the way to uh, craft knives, exacto knives, canary cutters, that kind of thing. Yeah. And again, getting kids to be able to use tools safely is such a, such an important thing, being able to, to respect that tool for its abilities, but also to keep safety in mind. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. All of those tools have a, a spectrum of when I'll use those things. So scissors, you know, are great from kindergarten on up and it's going to build those, uh, those, uh, motor skills with, mm-hmm. with that age group. Um, but then starting to look at some of the other tools, the, uh, those power cutters are actually super safe. I'll actually use those starting at second grade up, uh, with the electric, uh, the electric cutters, because it'd be really hard to hurt yourself with those things. Yeah. And then moving up to middle school age, you know, starting to work with, with tools that do require, you know, a safety talk and a safety sheet and a signature that you're going to be safe and responsible with those tools. Yeah. And again, those are more great um, things to, to remember. And again, you can find and communicate with Bill on Twitter at Bill Van Lu Teach uh, and Instagram, Bill Van Lu, and then also on his website as well, Bill Van Lu. I'll also make sure that I post in the show notes the, the link to Aaron Riley's uh, cardboard connecting type things so in case some of you teachers might decide to put up that in your classroom as well. So a couple last questions here before we, we go. Bill, what do, you, what do you think really is your hope for, for STEM and STEAM education as we do keep on going off in the future with this, um, these big acronyms, these, these big buzzwords? Yeah, well, I mean, I have one really ambitious hope. And honestly, I don't know where to go with it. Well, maybe and we can help you. Well, yeah, I mean, because it's definitely not going to be one person by themselves. And so that hope is that we really, as a society, start to think about ways that education can break out of its silos, you know, so, so I've been grappling with this for a long time, you know, even in a school like A2 STEAM, which is an amazing school community, you know, our middle school students still go to English class and then second hour, they go to technology and engineering class and then they go to science class and then maybe they have lunch and then they go to another class and all of our subject areas are broken out into these little silos, which is, is a really, I think sort of outmoded way of looking at the world because, you know, as adults, we know that that's not how the world works. No, you're always in complex situations that require you to think across disciplines. And sometimes it's using your communication skills and sometimes it's using math skills and, you know, all of those complex situations that we're put into as adults require cross-disciplinary thinking, but our schools aren't really set up to do that. And so you know, the analogy that I've been kind of using is in project management, we call that sort of a throw it over the wall approach. So like, uh, you know, designers come up with an idea and they throw that idea over the wall to the engineers and the engineers take that idea and they build the thing and they throw it over the wall to the quality assurance testers and they test the thing and see if it worked. Then they throw it over the wall to the, you know, project leads and they go, okay, it's working. And then they throw it over the wall to the customer service group or whatever, you know, And in education, we kind of keep doing that same thing. We teach them some math and we throw it over the wall and they go to their science class and we teach them some science and they throw it over the wall. But the students are the ones that have a door that goes between the walls. Whereas we as educators don't necessarily, we're kind of stuck in our, in our room that has those walls. And so figuring out how we can more effectively collaborate and do cross disciplinary work is something that I'm really, like I said, I've really been grappling with for a long time. And I, I don't have any good solutions yet because 
it's one of those things that I think requires real systemic change in how we as a society do education. I think so. Yeah. That's, that's an incredible thought, Bill. You've just blown my mind about the whole throw it over the wall thing. You should, um, you patented that yet? That idea? <laughs> Workshopping it right now. I've been, I've been, like I said, I've, I've been working on this, chugging on this idea for a little while. I, All right. I, I can't claim to have any solutions. Uh, like I said, because it is something that it requires such a big shift in the way that we view things. Yeah, it um, does. So, so maybe somebody out there listening will, uh, We'll, we'll pick that up and help me champion that. I'm not yeah. sure. And, and again, find Bill on BillVanLu.com. And eventually you'll be able to buy the book, Throw It Over the Wall in Education by Bill Van Lu. <laughs> tear those walls down. Yeah, tear those yeah. walls down. There we go. Um, yeah. So um, one last question for you again, just to, to sure. get, get to know you a little bit more. Bill, if you could have somebody from STEM past or present come be a guest speaker in your classroom, who do you think you would just love to have um, come and just inspire those kids of yours? Well, I mentioned him earlier in this conversation. Uh, one of the first people that comes to mind is Adam Savage. Uh, okay. So he's somebody who I really look up to. Yeah. You know, you probably know him from the show Mythbusters, uh, which is a great show. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, they, I think they did a great job of not taking themselves too seriously in terms of, you know, their approach to things. Like, like uh, a good teacher should, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, and, and honestly, I actually have really gotten to admire him post Mythbusters more so than I was like a giant fan of the show. It's great. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't where I kind of became a fan of his, where I really have become a fan of his is through his YouTube channel and his podcasts. Right. And, and so for me, I look at him as such a, an inspiring blend of science and technology and engineering educator, as well as sort of evangelist, as well as somebody who's pushing for inclusivity in terms of the uh, voices that are being brought into the conversation about science communication and uh, looking at the way that things are developing in the maker community. You know, so, so he's, he's got a whole mix of skills and, you know, so that's probably one of the reasons that I kind of identify with him is that he's a great communicator, but he also is a fantastic maker. He's taught me countless things through watching his YouTube videos and listening to his podcasts. So that's one of the first things that, that, uh, that comes to mind there. And, and I would suggest to anybody who never realized that Adam Savage has this post Mythbusters career, check out tested.com. It's incredible. The kind of stuff that you can, you can find. And again, he's, he's a teacher. That's, that's really what he is. Yeah. 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 I mean, and there's such a, there's such an amazing group of science educators and technology educators or, and communicators that are out there now there's really a, a wonderful community of makers and, and, you know, science and technology communicators that are out there on things like YouTube and podcasts. Now that it's, it's kind of a, I think a golden age for people who want to learn, you know, information and skills on their own as lifelong learners. It's yeah. for me, I know that's been absolutely true that I wouldn't be, you know, half the maker or, or educator without those people around me yeah. inspiring me and, and teaching me all the time. Exactly. And again, that's, that's really the lesson that, that Bill and that I and so many of us are, are trying to show to our kids that, that, that education isn't just combined, contained in a book, that education is, is available everywhere. Uh, look around, find that information and, and add, it to your, add it to your toolkit, add it to the things that you're able to do to, to create, to make. And, and just like you, Bill, you, you didn't start out as a teacher. This is that second career for you. Right. You've been able to take all those, those things that, that are your skills, the things that you love, that you're passionate about, and you can bring them into the classroom to inspire the next generation of, of Bill Van Loo's and Adam Savage's. So, 
that's yeah I, I mean i think i think really that's in some ways you've unlocked this you just sort of like unlocked the secret of of my career and my life in a lot of ways which is like take a thing that you're interested and passionate about and mm-hmm. figure out a way that you can use it in the context that you're in whatever that happens to be you know so it's it's like if you've got to do this project find a way that you can bring a thing that you love into it and yeah. then it becomes a joy instead of a task Right. And again, right back to the beginning uh, of this podcast with you, Bill, you talked about just educators, start small, start with something that you're passionate about and, and figure out a way to bring that into the classroom. And, um, and Bill, you're just an incredible advocate of that. And, and thank you again for, for joining us today. Thanks so much, Chris. It's been a real pleasure. And, and again, it's great chatting with Bill Van Loo, who is by title a technology and engineering teacher at A2 STEAM in Ann Arbor, Michigan. But you're, I, I love the title that you, you really give yourself. I'm a maker, a teacher, a musician, a photographer. And probably you could add about 10 more things to that list if you want. So check out Bill at BillVanLoo.com or at BillVanLooTeach on Twitter or Instagram, BillVanLoo. And check out all the great information you might need from the show notes. Thanks for listening to this episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. If you want to communicate with me, find me on Twitter at Daily STEM or my website, dailystem.com. Find more great podcasts on iTunes, your favorite podcast app, and we'll talk to you again next time. You're listening to this podcast on the ESDAC Broadcasting Network. To find more information about this or other podcast shows, please visit remarkablechatter.com. Thank <laughs> you.